All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. See you, Shattuck. Thomas is leaving. And we are on to the afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Where are we? Do I have, uh, I'm trying to get my bearings here. Do I have all the things that I'm used to having? Oh, to, I don't. To your right. What's, what's to my right? All the things. Oh, these. Uh, well, then you have all the things. Links? We're in Avon, Old Farms Hotel. No, I was just thinking Base of, of the 44 Mountain. Like, how do I know if I have a guest who's ready? Whenever you want them. You would be told by. Your guests are here already. So when No, but I've got like. some who are okay. calling They're, in. But I would see them on the call screen. Yes. Okay, this is, uh, this is feeling all right. I don't know why I'm disoriented. I was here two days uh, yeah, ago see, or something, this, right? We just did this. <laughs> it's like it's brand new. Holiday brain. You have it's holiday brand brain. brand new. All right. I am. Uh, okay. I did. I wanted. To, I was really interested in Simsbury. What did they do? Oh, Monday they had their meeting, right? About the, um, this is really funny, about the um, the sidewalks. They wanted to have the sidewalks. I don't know who had this idea. Simsbury ponders pedaling predicament. The idea is that bicycle riders, they proposed there that they should allow in Simsbury sidewalks to be used for bicyclists. Which they they thought would make it safer for bikes, and apparently they didn't. It didn't occur to them that that would make it dangerous for other people, like the people who use sidewalks. Isn't that great? I just love government doing its thing, and government doing its thing is uh, whacked. But at least they are going through a democratic process here. And Monday, they had a meeting on whether to do away with the Simsbury's 32-year ban on bicycles on sidewalks. Which uh, the cycling community supports, but advocates for hearing-impaired and vision-impaired residents, also senior citizens, caution that the changes could create new hazards. So they've uh, decided to postpone a decision. So proponents of the measure could revise the, their proposed ordinance to provide safeguards for walkers. I don't see how this could work. And it just reminds me of how they make laws. This is how they make laws. They just make up stupid ideas, propose them, and then, uh, you know, if they really want to get it through, they do it on a Friday before a, a holiday and they jam it in. And I don't know. They don't do that in on Monday night meetings, I guess, but you get my drift. The Simsbury peddling predicament. That's a great one. I love that. Love it. It's a, um, 
I was just listening to a podcast. You know, I'm obsessed with this libertarian thing right now. People get the people get confused by the idea of being a libertarian. They and I think the big mistake is that everyone tries to apply it to the world as it is. And you don't have to make libertarian beliefs fit into everything that exists because most stuff wouldn't exist if you had a rational government that was created in such a way as to uphold the American system of government. The The purpose of our government today is to, it, well, they've, they've already decimated the American system of government, but that's the idea. They want it gone because the American system of government came with limitations on how much money government could spend and what areas of power would be in the hands of government. And then government spends all its time talking about how you need it to take over things that it hasn't been doing. And that's all done without principles. There is no guiding principle on what government is supposed to do. And that's how we ended up here. That's how we ended up in this situation. That situation being bankrupt state, bankrupt nation. I don't know. It just strikes me as crazy. So I, I feel like um, we've been shown the door by by the electoral system and the way things are. The status quo has shown the door to people who uh, think that you can make improvements in the disaster that exists right now by working through the system that is controlled by those who created the disaster on purpose. It, this is a purposeful disaster. It is deliberate. It is on purpose that nothing is the way it should be in our country. And that is what we're going to change. And it's really easy to change. I've got a clear vision of it. You know, the, um, I, I was listening to this podcast, as I started to say, of, of libertarians talking about, it was two libertarians having a debate about their conflict, about their, uh, their two interpretations of, of what being a libertarian is. And here's my pitch on being a libertarian. See if you connect with this and, or have a problem with it or anything. It's simple. There should be as little government as absolutely possible. And taking money from citizens should only be done if it's agreed to by the citizen. This sounds like a radical proposal, and I used to think it was radical. Lebo introduced me to it. And when, when Leibowitz introduced me to it, I thought, well, the, how would you have a government? You have to, government needs money. And now I realized that, that I was just falling into the trap of uh, status quo bias. You familiar with that idea, status quo bias? Status quo bias means that whatever is, we like better because we're used to it. The children of child abusers grow up to be child abusers. The, the children of abused mothers grow up to, like if they're girls, they marry abusers. The children of alcoholics become alcoholics. This is my sense of how humans operate. We want to preserve that which is. And this is how nature is designed. We want to preserve that which is because that which has got us this far. And all nature cares about is that the species survive. They want Nature is designed in such a way as to cause each of us to make it into adulthood. And we do that by imitating what our parents did. 
and the curse of that generalized rule of nature, which is create the offspring in such a way that they repeat what the their parents did because their parents were capable enough to get them into adulthood. And that's all they want for the kid is to make it to adulthood and then bring their offspring into adulthood. So nature favors the repetition of whatever was. And this bias uh, affects everything we do. But here's the simple argument. What we have now is a disaster. We have been robbed of more wealth than has been created in, in, by any country, any nation, any economy in history. We've got trillions and trillions of dollars gone for no reason except the powerful to be able to control their own power. That's what that money is for. So they can flow it. You can see this happening right now with all this wasted money on this so-called COVID relief. It's just money to make sure the status quo is preserved because those in political power, whether Democrats or Republicans or something else, what do they care about? They care about making sure that whatever they did to get power can be repeated moving forward. It's just like the kids of the alcoholics who end up being drinkers. The politicians all want to make sure that the next generation of politician is able to rob us as bad as the one before and keep winning their elections. Destruction rewarded. Somehow we're like that. The libertarian system says, hey, if you want to be robbed blind, you can do that on your own. But you don't get my money. So you say about taxes, taxes should be voluntary things. That is, the government comes to us and say, says, we want to build a school. And we say, no, government shouldn't be, shouldn't be in the education business. Ask me any question about education, I dare you. 860-522-9842. Look at all the problems in education. The answer is government shouldn't be involved. I heard, uh, I think it was Tom got a call earlier. Somebody called and said, oh, what have they done to harden the schools? Because there was a proposal about uh, making schools more secure. So it was some question like that. And I, you know, you get sucked into that argument. I, I felt myself getting sucked into that argument. Well, you know, should you have the armed guards there? All those questions. They should just, those questions go away when you say uh, government shouldn't be in the school business. We've ruined education because government runs it. And what did government do with the power? They sold the power to educate our children off to a special interest group. That's what government did. If you have any questions about how outrageously hateful government is, we gave them control of public education. There's nothing else like it in the country that where we've taken something of critical importance and we've said, that, okay, the government can run the whole shebang. Nothing like it. And, and what have they done with it? They gave power of it off to a special interest group in exchange for votes, in exchange for the support of the education unions. That tells you really everything you need to know about government. Therefore, your instinct needs to be reconfigured inside your brain. What is is bad, what isn't will be way better. If there isn't government controlling schools, we'll have great schools because they'll be market driven. Markets are the only thing that deliver good results for humans. 
You've got to put it in a market. You've got to have competition. People say, oh, well, you can't do that. You've got to have the schools. No, you don't. You don't have to have the government run the schools. You don't. If you were to keep the system of the government paying for the schools, then everybody could just get a gift certificate for one year of education. Each year they could run out and pay that to whomever. If you got rid of government funding of education, phase it out over time, you know, over 20 years, and then then uh, everybody pays their own way. Then you have people making much more rational decisions about education. Everything government does is a disaster. Everything it touches, it makes worse. Everything is wrong because of government. Every problem we have is traceable back to government. So if you, if you ask me anything about education, the answer is it's not a, you don't get sucked in. You just say government shouldn't be in the school business. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Yeah, it's WTIC. We're, we're doing our holiday store thing, broadcasting from... I have a little button I push here, and those noises happen whenever I push it. It's wonderful. I can get them spontaneously. Or I can just say Avon Old Farms Hotel, the holiday store. And uh, the same thing happens. Well, I actually have several buttons for whether I want a loud, canned laughter and applause or whether I want it soft. Look at all. They, they've got a beautiful fireplace here. And they have uh, stockings over, under the mantle, hanging from the mantle. And there's no gifts in them. Is it our job to fill them? Let's fill them. Okay, let's talk to Jay in Hartford. I think he wants to take me up on the education thing. Hi, Jay. Hi, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, uh, good. Yeah, so I was just listening to you on my way. Um, I commute home from work. I'm a factory worker here in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just curious uh, if I could challenge you a little bit on something. Yes, that, please. Um, I'm so excited. Thank you. So, so you said that there's nothing like education where the government has a, a monopoly on it and it's sold out to, you said, a special interest group, right? Yeah, education unions, yes. Yes. Uh, would you say that there's really nothing like that otherwise where the government has well, a monopoly like it's that? it's not important to me one way or the other. That's just off the top of my head. I don't see anything else that's like that. Nothing but if else I'm at wrong, all. I'm tell curious. Me. You don't What's say, that? for example, the police? Well, the police are similar. Although police are configured in different ways, some run by state governments, some run by counties, some run by cities and towns. I know not all of which are governments. You agree, right? Yes, but broken up so you have competing forces, and it, but, it's hold on. This, you, no, yep. there's no police force where they're competing against another police force in the same town or even in the same state. Uh, I haven't heard about that, but that would be the desirable way to go. Yeah. So, just to be clear, you think that police forces should be privatized? I'm kind of curious. Um, I would do whatever would create a situation where we don't have rigged systems where the police become um, active in working against the best interests of our society involuntarily because of the the way the power is divided up between them. So, so if I, you look at, you we have a big problem with... Curious? What's Sorry? that? Sorry. Uh, do you think that they're currently now working against society? Uh, well, for the they got mad uh, a couple of years ago when, in response to George Floyd, they started having the laws change regarding policing. And since then, they have not been patrolling the roads in the same ways. They've been reluctant to in, inject themselves into 
situations where they could see themselves being charged with a crime or somehow have their futures put in danger. So, yes, there is we have a big problem with police seeing themselves as being victimized by our political system and simply doing a brownout in response. Right. I mean, I'd agree. I'm kind of curious, though, then why your focus would be on teachers unions, which are regardless of what you might think of their power. I appreciate that you're taking it from a power analysis perspective, but Mm -hmm. teachers unions, they negotiate collectively with the government, which we elect, and then they are empowered to negotiate with the teachers union and come to a contract based on collective bargaining principles, free, entirely. Obviously, it's overseen by the federal government to make sure that it's fair and accountable, um, but it's entirely a democratic system that we empower them. Oh, no, it's an undemocratic system. Well, hold on, let me finish here for a moment. Okay, go ahead. One second, uh, is that the police can just kill you. They can just shoot you, and then they are protected by the government to do that. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Oh, you're wondering why I didn't go to the police first. Well, because yeah, I think the fact that... In terms of power, the police are the ones who can kill you and defend Yes, but they a lot and, fewer you know, people are... Um, there actually aren't all that many violent incidents against innocent citizens compared to the in, innocent citizens whose futures are constricted by the bad educations they get out of public schools. So we accept, we've come to accept mediocre education, lack of choice, and, uh, and, and a system where great teachers leave because they can't make a good salary compared to what they can do elsewhere. And bad teachers are incentivized to stay because they're going to get paid as much as the, the great teachers, no matter how poorly they do. But I, either curious, ones... Are you, a, are you a teacher? No. Uh, is your wife a teacher? Do you know a lot of teachers? I do know a lot of teachers, yes. And I spent three months in a public school classroom just to see oh, what it was like as a, okay. as a long-term sub. But I'm no I expert see. on it. So. I, this is a systemic problem. There, kids would be doing way better if we had schools that were agile and able to adjust to the marketplace. So instead how, many, of do- how many school districts nationwide or worldwide operate under that system where everything's privatized? Don't know. I just know so that everything never been else. An experiment I just no, no, no. Everything else we do virtually, except for the police. The police is the next biggest thing, and otherwise, we don't operate anything in this model of the education system. Why would we well, do it? We know that markets are the best way to get great results. We know that if how, you had you, thirty-five where, where you different school that? operators where did you in learn a town, that? out of curiosity, that What's markets that? are the best way to organize our society. Well, our whole society is organized around markets. That's why we okay, have the and biggest. Our society currently results in police murders. People. No, no. Look, you're circling back poverty, around. We, we already have the conversation. Healthcare. But but Jay, if you take, if you take the things that operate well and the things that operate poorly, there is, on one extreme, police and education, education, I think, being the worst, and at the other extreme are our um, huge economic engines that drive not just us but the world, our economy and the world. But we also know in ordinary things, like you go out to eat, you don't go to a government restaurant because you don't want the slop that they serve in schools being served to the general public. You nobody well, would buy honest, it. I, I actually was a custodian at one point in a school before COVID, unfortunately. Okay. And my okay. family also lunch ladies in schools. I've seen the difference between when the school runs the cafeteria and when mm-hmm. it's outsourced to a company like Aramark, which if you don't know is also a prison food company. Okay. Would you say that prison food is good for our children? 
I would say that um, any school decision should be made by a school operator that is small and entrepreneurial and having to compete. So what you're talking about is a rigged system in no, a which... The rigged system is when the school puts out a, a bid and selects the lowest bidder, which is a free market system. Bidding for That's a contract a, the, is a free market it's, system. It's only a free market for the moment that they're taking contracts, but there isn't a customer. The customer for that food... I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know if you understand that most free markets operate under contract systems. I, I work at a factory where we operate under contracts with other companies, where we agree to a certain but, term. But the customer in this term. case is the, the family and the child. Going, the child is going to eat that food every day. So if that child isn't in a marketplace where he can make a decision about whether he's eating slop that's been delivered uh, by the government or... Again, I, I think you, if food. you have not worked in a school cafeteria... Jay, you're, you're looking to quibble over details instead of understand the, the grand point that I'm trying to make, which is markets are what works. We can see that everywhere around us. And in the most important things in our lives, like education, the very most important thing, what we do with our kids, we've decided to send them into a government-run, one-size-fits-all, where only rich people get to have an alternative. Doesn't make any sense. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. Thank you. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. For the call, Jay, we're going to news. Stay with us on WTIC. It's Todd Feinberg. It's Todd Feinberg. Monday through Friday, 3 till 6 on WTIC News Talk 1080. Yeah, it's WTIC at Wednesday afternoon. We're broadcasting live from the Avon Old Farms Hotel in support of our friends, our good friends, our wonderful friends 
At the Salvation Army, we do the holiday store every Christmas to help raise money for them. And thank you for being here. The presenting sponsor, Home Builders and Remodelers Association of Central Connecticut. Joining us right now, I'm excited about this because I know nothing about Christopher Heath Wellman except that I believe he's a professor of philosophy at Washington University in St. Louis and a libertarian kind of guy. So that's what I think we're doing. But we'll find out right now when we talk with Chris. Thanks for being here, sir. Oh, wait a sec. I didn't push the button. Hang on. Hang on. There it goes. Okay. Hi, Chris. Sorry about that. No worries. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, tell us about you. What's your political philosophy? Um, so I, uh, am, I wouldn't call myself a libertarian. Libertarians don't consider me, my, me a libertarian, but I'm relatively close, uh, because I certainly place a premium on civil liberties. In what way would you say you differ? Because I'm, I'm dealing with this right now. I've become, uh, I've decided that the Republican Party is useless in terms of, uh, winning elections in Connecticut or advocating on behalf of small government except for one or two people who've, who've managed to win office despite their liabilities. So I've decided to start a, a third party that's based in limited government and as much freedom as possible, just to, to, to be able to have a place that talks about how people shouldn't be getting robbed blind by their own government. And uh, so how does your non, uh, well, wherever you fall on the spectrum, if you're not libertarian, what are you and what's the difference? Right. Well, so I I think of uh, the two or one hyphenated word that for me captures libertarianism is self ownership. The idea that you own yourself mm-hmm. uh, and it's your life to live, and you stand in a morally privileged position over yourself regarding affairs. And this and is I a philosophy that that guides, I would guess, everything that um, that that the America is built on the principles that the founders brought out of the Enlightenment and such. Is that right? So I think, I think that's uh, largely accurate. I think that there are a lot of people in America who, uh, if we're asked to explain to to be closer to libertarian than Republican or Democrat. But we've been raised in a two-party system where most of our parents and grandparents are Democrats or Republicans, mm-hmm. and so we tend to identify with those parties. So uh, separate from parties, though, the fundamental belief is that, uh, well, the, the fundamental principle is if you own your own body, then all ownership extends from that. You have a right to your own labor. You have a right to keep the money you earn. You have a right to uh, keep the things that you buy with that money. And, and naturally, you have the right to have the friends you want and the relationships you want. And basically, everything springs from that that starting point of us having ownership of ourselves. That's, that's the libertarian line. And I certainly believe that with respect to ourselves, our minds, our bodies, our friendships, uh, our associations. What I'm uh, less convinced about is the, the property story. And okay, why? why? Where does that break off? Because that's less precious than the other things. Well, because... Uh, you've got to tell a story about how you've got to tell some kind of story about how your self ownership uh, uh, connects to the property which becomes yours, and therefore you stand in the same relationship to your property as you do uh, to yourself. And the the you know one popular account is in terms of mixing your labor, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm not sold on the details of that account. 
So that's why I say I'm, I'm sort of uh, close to a libertarian, but a lot of libertarians don't consider me a libertarian. Okay, but where, what is the problem for you? What, what causes you to stop at that point of personal property? Because it would make sense that if I go to work and earn money that I should get to keep that money. Doesn't that make sense, that nobody um, else has a right to take it? Yeah, in the absence of an institutional structure, yes, right? So, for instance, if, if, uh, if I you know, go out and I go fishing and I catch a fish and come back and I clean it and put it on the fire and you come and take it, it seems to me that that's pretty clearly a violation uh, of my rights, and I've got a property right in that fish, right? Or if I, if I clear a field and uh, grow some corn, uh, and uh, nurture the corn, and then the corn grows, and then you come up and take it. Um, that seems like it's a pretty clear violation of my rights. I think things get more complicated when we're uh, under an institutional structure. You mean taxation, much- government, and taxation? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But right? but does it? But doesn't that just extend the same argument? Government wants to come and have some of what we earned. And they can make up any reason they want, and the real reason can be different, and they can say they're going to use it for something of critical importance, but they can lie, and actually the government can end up, I think we can see that now, being the least responsible of potential takers. Like, you might be better off just getting robbed on the street. Right, right. Well, there's, there's no, if you're looking for someone to defend the status quo, I'm not your guy. Well, no, my thing is, how do you avoid, if you're going to empower government to take the tiniest thing, say say that we made a a constitutional amendment that said government can take no more than 1% total out of every American citizen's earnings, we we know that wouldn't be 1% in 30 years or 50 years. They would have undone the, changed the constitution and and found a way to get more because we can see the history. Um, yeah, so our history is one of mission creep. That's pretty clear. Um, and I don't know how you design institutions so that they don't uh, expand uh, beyond the intended proportions or beyond what justice requires. But that's different from saying that, you know, under a legitimate state, the state's not entitled to take anything or, the, you know, that everything that, that someone earns uh, under a... Um, uh, a, a complex institutional structure is, is theirs in the same way that something would be mine if I caught a fish or grew some corn. So uh, Yeah, so I, I'm just wondering if, because um, I'm struggling with these decisions as well, but it seems to me the most egregious affront to the principle of we own our own efforts because we own our own body is that government willy-nilly takes our money, makes up reasons to take it that aren't true, and then takes out mortgages against future money that we or our offspring are going to make right without explaining without even telling the truth about the debt that they're creating and they're only creating that debt in order to get money from uh and votes from people in in, with which they can distort our electoral system yep no i'm not i'm not going to try and defend the status quo I think you're you're right and i'm not i'm not trying to make you do it i'm just trying to understand Because cause I, I want to be able to make the argument. It, it, and, and on a practical level, it just seems to me it would work better if we, like if we were starting, for, if, if Chris Wellman, who we're talking to from Washington University in St. Louis, if, if the two of us decided to make a country and we were going to make rules and we made the rule that government couldn't take any money unless we agreed that there was an important project and we offered the money, 
then we would have a fundamentally better government 100 years forth or 200 years forth because they would still be able to con us. I mean, there's a lot of people who who absolutely willingly ignore the fact that we're being robbed blind and the money, money's being squandered currently, and they volunteer for higher taxes. Right. So there's no reason to suspect government would end up with too little if we had voluntary taxation. So I don't even see why there's such a big area for for concern. Can you tell us what your protective mechanism is that gets triggered? Yeah, well, well, to take your example, so if you and I set up an association and we set the terms, those terms are binding for us, right? And then you talk about 100 years from now uh, when our offspring are governed seems like they can't be bound by the rules that, that we agreed to, right? So if I told you that, you know, your uh, great-grandson uh, would be entitled to own my great-great-grandson, uh, that wouldn't be binding for my great-great-grandson, mm-hmm. right? So, they, so subsequent generations get to set the terms, and those terms get to be set democratically. Um, but there are limits, right? And there are, there are rights that can't be transgressed. And that's that's why I'm close to a libertarian, because uh, I think you can't punish innocent people, for instance, no matter how you vote. You can't enslave people no matter how you vote. Uh, But I'm not convinced that all forms of taxation are necessarily uh, morally akin to slavery. (laughs) I'm not smart enough to know how to hone you into a finer point where I can uh, understand where we're diverging. But it's interesting, (laughs) nevertheless. You um, you talked with Mike Leibowitz, who's a uh, two weeks released from um, prison here in Connecticut, but somebody we've been talking to and and I've been talking to a lot over the last couple of years, who is a devout libertarian. And he said that we could talk to you about borders. Is is that something that you're prepared to discuss as well? Yeah, I've done a fair amount of work on much more than on property. I've done a fair amount of work on the morality of immigration. All right, hang on um, one second. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll uh, talk about the immigration laws and the disaster happening right now. Our guest is Chris Wellman. He's a professor at Washington University in St. Louis, a professor of philosophy. I always get excited when we're talking to philosophers because that's really what it all uh, stems from, I think, all these discussions that we have here on WTIC. 860-522-9842, the rant line number 751-4698. Quick break. Stay with us. WTIC. Now back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. WTIC. We're talking to Christopher Wellman. Kit Wellman, I guess he goes by, uh, professor of philosophy, Washington University in St. Louis. And uh, tell us about immigration, sir. What is uh, what is America doing wrong? Well, I can start with the libertarian case for immigration, if you want, for open borders, if you want. Uh, um, we've got like five minutes, so okay, maybe, you know, whatever you think you can get accomplished. Yeah, at time. yeah. So the the um, the interesting thing about the libertarian case for open borders is that it emphasizes not just that outsiders might have a right to freedom of movement, which allows mm-hmm. them to come in. But it emphasizes that uh, insiders, domestic citizens, also have rights which are restricted if we don't allow open borders. So a couple things. Imagine that you own a farm and you want to hire me uh, as labor and I'm a foreigner, right? You can't do so without the government's permission. Right. 
right? So that's a problem for, for uh, domestic potential employers. Or if we have a relationship, right, uh, if we're in love or we're family members or something like that, then our freedom of association is curtailed uh, because uh, you're not allowed to uh, invite me onto your property. And so liber- you were talking about property earlier. Mm-hmm. Libertarians think that you've uh, got this uh, position of dominion over your property. If you want to invite me onto your property, that should be your right, whether I'm a, a fellow citizen or a foreigner. So um, a lot of people are in favor of open borders. Most people emphasize the rights of outsiders. Libertarians do as well, but they also point out that the rights of insiders are limited when there's not freedom of movement across borders. Okay, and is is that your position, or is that just the libertarian position? No, I have sympathy. I think that those are important interests, but I think that if a state is legitimate, it's entitled to political self-determination. And uh, one component of self-determination, and, and so if you allow people to visit as guest workers, I've got no problem. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to allow people to come and stay indefinitely, I think that they should be offered full citizenship. And if that's true, then I think that the citizens as a whole should have a say on whether you invite people. So if you had, let's say, a, a million friends in Canada and you wanted to invite them to come and live permanently, that has implications for citizenship. So I, I don't have a problem with legitimate states having um, a dominion over immigration questions. So well, I'm, I'm someone who duels with libertarians on this. How thing. about the larger view, not just the personal liberty view of having open borders, but for Americans to hear that argument be made, they... Right. There's, there's an instinctive rebellion. How do we control our country? How do we keep our policies from being kidnapped? How do we keep ourselves, our social safety nets from it being overburdened? Uh, right. Practical matters like that. Yeah, so I think these are legitimate questions, but my own view is that uh, we'd all probably be better off if borders were more porous. Now, that doesn't mean they have to be completely open, but I think there'd be huge economic benefits. Um, just as you could imagine that there are, there are real economic um, uh, problems when you say, oh, or, or inefficiencies when you say only men can go to medical school and women can go to um, nursing school, right, when there are plenty of women who could be good doctors and, and men who could be good nurses. Similarly, if you say only citizens can apply for these jobs and foreigners mm-hmm. have to apply for jobs elsewhere. Well, I guess so you could be- also extend that outward further and say, wouldn't we have the best economy in the world? Uh, even even more than we already do. Well, if we, we do, if all those empty if all those jobs we can't fill, anybody could come and fill them. Right, right. Now it's it's a fair point that that we don't know what would happen if there were completely open borders. Right, we don't know what would happen if millions upon millions upon millions of people came, and so maybe we should uh, be careful about that mm. and open borders gradually. But that's very different than saying that we should have you know, completely closed borders or that we, you know, we shouldn't uh, gradually allow more people in. Interesting. Do you talk about this with uh, undergrads or are you teaching on the graduate level? Both. Both, right. What kind and, of response do you get from the younger people? Um, uh, mixed. I would say that uh, younger people tend to be uh, more in favor of open borders and see it as a justice issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, there's room for reasonable people to disagree on these issues. Yes. All right. It, it's great to talk with you. Thank you for uh, for fleshing out the issues with us. Thanks for having me. All the best.
Appreciate it. Professor Chris Wellman, Washington University in St. Louis, professor of philosophy there, talking about some libertarian philosophy and how it works and how we should think about it. And we're going to, we've got to gain more facility with these issues so that we can uh, figure out what to do to save Connecticut. 860-522-9842. Traffic time. Mark Christopher in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Hey, Mark, what's happening on the road, sir? And good afternoon to you. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.